Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds, to another episode of You're Gonna Die Out There. Uh, this is Megan. I'm sitting across from Jen. Hello. Getting ready for another uh, wonderful time of some kind of crazy story I have no idea about. I just want to say that we're on a recording roll. We are. You guys, we feel real bad. <laughs> well, especially me, that we missed a lot of time there. Like a month. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. But we, yeah. we try to do some stuff. But anyway, we're just killing it right now. It's amazing. Yeah. So I'm really proud of us. I am too. <laughs> this is for you guys. We're Good trying times. super hard. I mean, we do have spooky time coming up, Megan. We do. I'm excited. I will be doing uh, our regular episode that will come out uh, the week of the 31st. On Halloween. On Halloween. Fingers crossed. So exciting. And you will be doing... I'll be doing the October Patreon bonus episode. What? It's going to be also spooky. Very spooky. Yeah. That's coming up. We'll be recording those next weekend. It'll be fun. It's on the schedule. It is. We. I've made a schedule. <laughs> you have. You have made a schedule. <laughs> to keep us on track. Good times. Megan, you have some science news for us. I do. I do have some science news. And I found this on Science News Explorers. It was formerly Science News for Students. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, it's snexplorers.org. This article really caught my eye, Jen. And uh, this is the title. I'm like just smiling at you. About it. <laughs> is there a pun? Is there a pun about that? There's not. There's oh, not. Okay. For some kids, their rock star hair comes naturally. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. A head of fluffy, hard to tame hair could be genetic and signal uncombable hair syndrome. Have you ever heard of this uncombable hair syndrome? I haven't, but I'm sure you're like, wow, this is what I deal with every day of my life. Every day of my life. Yeah. 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 I feel like as a small child, I had a little bit of this. Not so much, but my son, my son, definitely. He has too many different textures of hair. Anyway, it starts out talking about this woman who is named Regina Betts. She is a human geneticist in Germany. Sorry, I'm just realizing the way that they said she's a human, but also a human geneticist. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Right, right, right. She's in Germany at the University of Hospital Bonn, and her team linked three genes to a striking hair-related disorder. Apparently, those born with the altered genes have a head full of fluffy hair that simply won't lie down flat. And they have a couple pictures at the beginning of the article. Let's see. Oh, that one has kind of a mullet going. Yeah, it's basically like hair that kind of comes out in all directions and Uh just won't, you know, I sometimes think about people have like two cowlicks, maybe. I have one. It's there. It's there. It's why I wear my hair up all the time, because when I put my hair down, it's like it's always there. It's just like it's like a great separation in the back of my head. Moses parting the seeds (laughs) of your hair. Exactly. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So the disorder is called uncombable hair syndrome. Never heard of this in my life. It causes dry, shiny hair strands that look a bit like dandelion fluff. As early as 2016, there were only 100 cases that had been, like I guess, identified and reported. I'm sure this has been going on for a while. 
but they're just like, oh, wow, this is actually like a thing. This isn't just some kid whose mom doesn't brush his hair or uh-huh. doesn't know how to comb his hair properly, but this is actually like a genetic thing. So the study came out and people from around the world started emailing these researchers. Another geneticist on the team had gotten a bunch of emails as well after this came out. One was like, oh, I have a child like this, or oh, I look exactly like that as a, as a kid when I was growing up. And the group was like, we have to figure out what this is all about. So Betts and then this other geneticist, Basmanov, I think I'm saying that right, said like, hey, send us samples of your hair, your DNA and your hair. We want to see this. Okay. Since then, the team has analyzed DNA from 107 people with uncombable hair syndrome, and they found that there are variations in just a single gene that accounts for more than two thirds of the cases, like 71% of the cases. They shared those findings in an August 31st issue of JAMA Dermatology. I'm not sure what J-A-M-A stands for, but it's like a dermatology journal. Okay. So the gene that they found is named PADI3, and it directs certain cells to make an enzyme that is involved in the formation of hair shafts. And the mutations in that gene can disrupt the process of making that enzyme, causing the hair to be, like the structure to be different. I think over time, it gets better. Let me let me just read a little bit further on. I, I mean, I remember growing up with curly hair and just being like, how come my hair won't lie straight? And then learning in chemistry that like it's actually bonds in your hair that cause the curls or cause your hair to be straight and being like, well, let's get rid of them. It's weird because my daughter's hair has gotten more curly as she gets older. Yeah. And it's getting like way curly, but not like my husband's hair. Like it would just go straight up. There's a biologist named Jillian Westgate. She studies hair at the University of Bradford in England. And she said that this um, hair syndrome causes the hair to look somewhat like a paper straw that's collapsed in on itself. Yeah. So I think instead of like a round shaft of the hair, it's like there's like a little dip uh, yeah, it, in the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this bond group also found that nearly 4% of new cases showed variants of two other hair shaft genes that they had studied earlier, but one fourth of the cases in the study remained unexplained. Anyway, the team's findings are, I guess, moving towards helping doctors better diagnose this disorder. In the past, the kind of hair issues that people have had that are related to this, but maybe they weren't diagnosed because we didn't know what it was. Doctors would have said like, oh, this is a health problem or like a hygiene issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, the team is saying like, oh, this will be like a relief to families that they're going to find out like this is actually a genetic. And I guess over time, the hair becomes more manageable. I think probably you just learn how to deal with it better, like fix it or have use different products to help lay it down or however you want it to be. Now Boris Johnson will know why. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, Jen. Like what is great with example? That? Great Thank example. You. I mean, maybe maybe he does have uncombable hair. It's possible. Right. He does kind of look like one of the kids, you know, at the top of the article. The he, picture. That's exactly when I saw the picture. You I was like, like Boris Johnson. I was like, is that a picture of Boris Johnson when he right. was small? Yeah. I will say this, like, however you want to wear your hair is how you should wear your hair. You know what I mean? Maybe people have put so much pressure on kids to have like, I know when I was growing up, it was like your hair needed to be flatter and you would look better if it was like straight and That's what you thought. But all the girls, okay, well, going back into my time, (laughs) all the girls with straight hair would go get perms Mm because they wanted curly hair because it was supposed to be as large and floofy. As, as humanly possible. Yeah, I feel like when I was in high school, it was like the 90s. It was like part down the middle, straight hair. Oh, yeah. You know, like we're trying mm-hmm. to recreate some kind of like 70s hippie chick, but only the ones with the straight hair. And right. I would always feel really sad about it that I couldn't because I just had like all this hair. And I should have just really embraced the curliness. Yeah, curly hair is awesome. It's good times. Yeah. Anyway, I do love that my kid is embracing his curly hair. Yes. Although it does need to be trimmed. It needs to be trimmed, but it looks cool. <laughs> it and looks I, good. I yeah. love it. 
That's cool. That's very interesting and so um, relevant to your everyday to my everyday life, your everyday yeah. life with your with your sons. I want to I want to look at his hair under a microscope now and see is it dented in. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that he just doesn't. He's a teenage boy and he's just like whatever. Yeah, I think it's that. And then I think that you know my hair and his dad's hair are like just the perfect combination of uh, <laughs> just really super duper thick and super curly <laughs> and super curly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Anyway. Well, I have a completely non-related story to, to, to your hair. science news. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can talk about hair a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about tiger hair. I know you guys knew this was coming because oh, is... I told you guys this. I'm going to do a follow-up episode That's to right. Tiger King. I forgot. <laughs> Megan forgot. All of you, you remembered, pretty sure. So a couple of weeks ago, mm. if you listened to that episode on Tiger King, we know there was some hair happening there, too. Definitely. The one thing I want to say <laughs> is that you know how Joe Exotic would bleach his hair and he had those crazy bangs. Yes. But he usually had a hat on so you could just see the mullet in the back. Yeah. You can see the party in the back, basically. Yeah. And then I think they even showed him getting his hair done at some point. Then when he was in jail... You can see him on the little camera. It's like a really bad camera. You can just right. see like from his nose up and his hair is like really dark brown, <laughs> oh, no. but he still has the bang. I mean, he's still kind of like somewhat cut the same. Right. It was but like, well, he, well. he just can't bleach it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, maybe it's time for a new style. Just you know cut it. Yeah. Cut it. And all that bleach can't be good. Can't be good for your, uh, your body. Yeah. So anyway, we talked about Tiger King. We talked about captive tigers mm -hmm. and the cub petting industry yeah. and just all those crappy people who are just breeding tigers and then the killing them and yeah being yeah. being horrible humans today i wanted to talk about tigers in the wild oh so we're going to talk about the real deal tigers not that those aren't real but right well they're captive they're captive they're not contributing to conservation right they were referred to as generic tigers just the generic brand I just feel that yeah, makes me sad, but they're, they're not Advil. They're just the, <laughs> they're just the like a CVS pharmacy uh, oh, ibuprofen. I know. Right? Tigers, mm. which they matter. Yeah, we love them. But right, let's talk about their partners out in the wild. All right. There are two recognized subspecies of tiger now. And this just changed in the last few years. Mm -hmm. So there's the continental, which I can't stop thinking about SNL. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, do they have just like a cigar and like a like one of those like things on their neck and the yeah, yeah. cavassier so, or dessert cavassier? I don't know, but yeah. it's just so good. Anyway, so, good. so there's the continental, which is Panthera tigris tigris, and then there's the sunda, which is Panthera sandica. I think. Cool. I'm probably saying that wrong. More than likely. So, like I said, this was a recent change in 2017 and not a very popular one based on a lot of articles I read. Because mm -hmm. prior to that, there were said to be nine subspecies. Mm -hmm. But I guess after looking at going through museums and comparing, you know, all the tiger bones and then doing genetic studies, they were like, actually, we can just put these in two subspecies. Nice. The Sunda tigers are made up of the Sumatran tigers and then the extinct Javan and Bali tigers. Oh. And the continental tigers are the Siberian, Bengal, South China tiger, Indo-Chinese tiger, Malayan tiger, and the extinct Caspian tiger. And I'm going to talk about all of them. Cool. Because you need to know. Because you can't just think of Tony the tiger and be like, tigers are tigers. No. 
Tigers are tigers are tigers. I mean, they pretty much are, but <laughs> they're, they're different. So males in general, and because and, I'm not going to go into the size differences among mm-hmm. them, but in general, males are larger than females, especially the continentals are bigger than the Sunda tigers. <laughs> they can weigh up to almost 700 pounds. Oh, dang. That's big. That's real big. And for males of the smaller subspecies, they can range about 300 pounds. But both are heavier than the females by like 100 or 200. They're they're bigger than females. But the females are freaking big. So the Sumatran tiger, we'll start with the Sunda tigers. The Sumatra tigers are found in Sumatra. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. They have a lifespan of up to 15 years and around 20 years in captivity. That's pretty basic for all of them. So I'll just leave that there. Aren't the Sumatran tigers also featured on like a Starbucks coffee or something? Like on a bean pack? I feel like I always see that. Um, maybe. I know there's Sumatra. It's the, the one blend, of the blends. Other blends. But it might just be from that area. I don't know if there's a tiger. Is there a tiger on it? In my brain, there's a tiger on it. Well, I could be good. really wrong. <laughs> They're critically endangered. Oh. There's only around 250 to 400 remaining in the wild. And some of their unique features are they're the smallest breed and they're genetically isolated, obviously, because they're on an island. Mm. And the only surviving tiger for those Sundra Islands. Scientists believe that the rising sea levels are what separated them from mainland tigers Mm -hmm. around 6,000 to 12,000 years ago. Somehow these guys, the Sumatran tigers, evolved a bit differently. They're smaller than the other breeds. For example, they have about half of the girth as the Bengal or Siberian tiger. So that's that's like half. Mm. Like they're small. They're little baby tigers. Yeah, they're island tigers. <laughs> they're slightly shorter, but they have lighter builds and they weigh a lot less. Their stripes are another distinguishing feature. They have very dark, defined lines and they stretch over their entire body. They even have stripes on their forelegs and not all tiger species have that. Oh. So for all you tiger enthusiasts, listen up. This is how <laughs> you're going to know. Another notable thing about them is that they're the only surviving one, which I mentioned. So I'm going to talk real, real quick just about the ones that are extinct Mm -hmm. or thought to be extinct oh so the javan tiger is also known as the sunda island tiger and it was found and forested in mountainous areas on the island of java it's been extinct since the 1980s oh so that's not very long ago yeah so it's thought to be extinct but possibly it could just be hiding we don't know They say that they actually last saw it in the 70s and I guess declared it extinct Mm. by the 80s after not seeing it for 10 years. But the cool thing is, is that there are periodic reports of tigers in the area. In 2009, there were some locals that claimed to have seen a tigress with two cubs and fresh tracks. In 2010, after the eruption of a volcano, there were paw prints were seen in the ash. Mm. And in 2017, a wildlife ranger in a national park took a picture of a tiger-like creature feeding on a bull. It was just uh, like a tabby cat. <laughs> it was just a <laughs> giant fat cat. So they say it could be leopards or other big cats, mm. but they're hopeful. The other one that has actually been extinct since the 1950s is the Bali tiger, obviously from... Bali. Bali, which we've both been to Bali. Yeah. I mean... Two times. Oh, yeah. You went twice. I went twice. Those stories. (laughs) For another day. So good. I think you told some of them before. But anyway, so they said they haven't actually seen them since the 30s, but considered extinct since the 50s. When it was alive, it was known for being among the smallest types of tigers. The only remnants in the world today are skulls 
and bones in museums. Oh, it's very sad. So let's go to the continental tigers. <laughs> so the Siberian tiger is uh, found in the Russia Far East, northeastern China, and possibly North Korea. Their unique features are their big size and pale fur, and they're thinking that there's fewer than 600 remaining in the wild, so they're considered endangered. It's generally considered the biggest of all the species, although it's pretty similar to the Bengal tiger, which is the one we're going to talk about the most today. Sweet. Average size is about five to seven feet long, and some males can reach more than 10 feet long. The heaviest on record was more than 700 pounds. These guys, I mean, they're so big. These Siberian tigers, they have a thick fur because they live in snowy, cold areas, right, right. right? Yeah. I mean, Russia. I'm just saying. It's cold. And and they tend to be paler orange, I think, than the other mm. the others because probably because they're in snowy areas. But one of the things is they've been known to take down bears. What? <laughs> yeah. Smaller prey like antelope. But they'll go after bears when they need to. And they say the bears strike back by killing young and female tigers. Oh. So the bears are like, really? You want to do this? We'll F you up. (laughs) So the Bengal tigers, their unique features are large bodies and white mutation. So you can get the, these are the ones that can have a white. Like not albino, but a white mutation. Mm -hmm. So they can be white. They can be white. They're considered their status is endangered and there's approximately around 2000 although that number may be a bit higher yeah they're one of the most well-known tiger breeds i feel like everybody knows a bengal tiger that's right i feel like that's like tony the tiger 100 percent, or whatever tigers you see whenever (laughs) probably what you comes to mind when you picture a tiger Mm -hmm. orange fur with white tufts around the ears black stripes down the back strong jaws powerful hind legs all that it can literally decapitate its prey this is in the (laughs) (laughs) write-up They also are born with a genetic mutation that gives them white fur and blue eyes. And yeah, not albino. It's just a quirk of the genes, right? Cool. Both parents need to carry that gene, and it's very rare. So white tigers represent just one in every 10,000 births. Oh, man. Yeah. And this is one of the oldest tiger species that have been found for 12,000 to 16,000 years ago. So the late Pleistocene period. So it went way back. The South China tiger is from Southwest China. Hey. <laughs> He's like representing China over here. In the name. That's right. Critically endangered, near oh. extinction. They're now believed to be functionally extinct. Talk about that a little more later. Unique features are their small, very rare, impossible blue mutation. Like their fur is blue? Like they can be blue. I Very rare. There's only, they think, maybe 30 to 40 of them left. And they're all in zoos. Oh, man. Because China. So what happened in the 1970s when the Chinese government was clearing large areas of land for commercial development? They kept mm. running into tigers and they were just like, well, just kill them because they're and they're, you know, they're in our way. So the numbers of South China tigers dropped from more than 4,000 to 40. Yikes. Yeah, I guess some positive news is that the government changed its stance now that they're almost completely gone and is trying to protect them. They're trying to actively breed them and put them back out into the wild. But are they, yeah, are they into captive breeding though? Yeah, but I'm just wondering, it doesn't really say anything about areas like reserves or where they're going to go, protected habitat. They said that it might have this genetic mutation that gives its fur like a blue color, mm-hmm. but it's they, it's never been proven. But there are people who it do- have documented in the past who have seen bluish white tigers in the mountains of China. So that'd be pretty cool if they didn't kill them all. 
I guess we would know. But instead, they killed them all. Yeah. So we'll, we'll never know. Uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, though, that tiger could never be on the Frosted Flakes box because isn't the Frosted Flakes box also blue? It's blue and white. So, yeah, that won't work it out. It would be a, yeah. You have to make a new cereal. <laughs> You'd have to have like an inverted color. You know, it would be like orange in the background and then or the tiger could be blue. blue tiger cereal. There you go. Yeah. Blue tiger cereal, TM. <laughs> Sorry, idea. <laughs> We're taking it. Now the Malayan tiger. Good times. <laughs> from Malaysia. <sighs> Tropical, central, and northern Malaysian forest. It's weird to say Malayan. Yeah. I'm just going to side note, I laughed really hard because this is like the fifth take. For this <laughs> I word. cannot say Malayan. I don't know. There's something it. about no, it. No, it sounds great. Luckily, I won't be talking about them. So they're critically endangered. There's oh. only about 150 to 300, they think. Some unique features are they're small and endangered. No notable physical difference between the Indo-Chinese and the these tigers. <laughs> yeah. Deforestation is one of the biggest reasons that they're... It's endangered, yeah. Pretty just... Habitat. Everything. Loss. Poaching. Destruction. Just like this other one I'm going to talk about, this Indo-Chinese tiger... They love the bones and the pelts, and they love to use things, for every part of them for traditional medicine. Mm. And it's just, it's a lot. I guess there's a lot of people working hard to try to protect them. Then to the Indochinese tiger. This one is from the subtropical forest of Myanmar, Thailand, and Laos. Okay. This one, they think there's about 350 left. It's also critically endangered. This one has, it's short, narrow, and has single stripes. Illegal trade, again, main reason for the decline. Mm. Uh, same, same. Good just, they love all the parts. Let's just kill them. We like the parts. We want it. I was going to make a joke about liver and fava beans or something like that. But was so you're tea. like thinking about that. And I still, and I know every episode, if anybody's listening to us lately, every episode I keep talking about that I'm watching Dahmer, but then I stopped watching right, Dahmer. Right, yeah. And, and everything I think about, like, just keeping all the... Because it talks about... Oh, keeping all the parts. Keeping all the parts and internal organs can be eaten. It said it. I was like, oh, Ew. no. Ugh. Anyway, having a rough time. Having a rough time with that one. I'm going to blame Netflix on this. They just came out with a lot of serial killer documentaries. They just need and- to just... Things, yeah, yeah. Let's let's take a break on let's that. Let's take a break. Um, so the last one I'm going to talk about is the Caspian tiger. This one has been considered extinct since 2003. Oh, right. So their <laughs> habitat is the wetlands of Turkey, Iraq, Iran, and China. So there you go. They are known for their large bodies and muted colors, or they were known, I guess. Sadly, they were very fierce and powerful. They had big skulls, even bigger bodies. Largest specimen ever recorded was 11.8 feet long. Jeez. Yes. Sadly, like I said, they've been declared extinct. There are none in captivity. And yeah, they haven't been spotted in the wild for decades. That's very sad. It could be that they're just hiding. Hiding. Um, Who knows? I guess at some point we're actually called gray tigers. And that was the first sightings by 19th century explorers. Hmm. However, though, the pelts, I guess, that still exist... It looked more like a rusty orange fur, but it could just be old. Mm. <laughs> it just <laughs> said a lot of brown, but I'm like, mm, they might, maybe they just didn't take care of it. That's all the subspecies. Cool. Well, there's only two, but those, however, yeah, they want to describe it. Taxonomists <laughs> are going to taxonomist. <laughs> They're just going to do their thing, right? Yeah. They love yeah. to just change it up. Yeah. Especially botanists. You know what? 
That's fine. That's their prerogative. Stop changing the names of plants. It takes me like years to figure it out and learn it. And then they just change it. Right. Like, stop that. Anyway. So some of their features and behaviors. So the largest of all the Asian big cats rely primarily on sight and sound rather than smell for hunting. Oh. They typically hunt alone and stalk their prey. Cats. Do you see where we're going with this? A tiger can consume more than 80 pounds of meat at one time. Oh, man. That's a keto diet right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is. They're just that's, fully keto. They're why like, it's they're good so for your, your metabolism. I'm like, what? Am I supposed <laughs> to eat this much? <laughs> 80 pounds of meat. <laughs> Right now, your colon would explode. <laughs> uh, on average, they give birth to two to four cubs every two years. Mm. And then Joe Exotic pulls them away. Fail. Uh, if the cubs, if all the cubs in one litter die, a second litter can be produced in, within five months. Mm. So that's what they were doing. Those jerk faces. Right, yeah. Yep. They generally become independent from the mom at about two years of age. And they reach sexual maturity at about three or four for females. And then later, <laughs> four to five years for males. Always. Always. The juvenile mortality is pretty high, though, because half the cubs don't survive more than two years. They've been known to reach up to 20 years of age in the wild. Like I said, they're mostly solitary apart from little lovemaking here and there. Their That's individual tigers have a very large territory. And the size is determined mostly by the availability of prey. Individuals mark their domain with urine, cats, cats, feces, rakes, scrapes, and vocalizing. There we go. We talked a lot about this when we talked about cougars. Yes. A.K.A. The cougar scream. Pumas. That crazy. AKA... <laughs> bobcats. Bob... No, no, not no, bobcats. No, no, bobcats. Right, right. But Puma, it was... cougar. Cougar and uh, mountain lion. Mountain lion, right. Yeah. yeah, they had some crazy That screams. was frightening. It was frightening. Probably had a nightmare about it. I went back and listened to that episode not long ago, and I was like, when we played this sound, <laughs> yeah. we all kind of know what tigers sound like, so we don't need to. We don't need to do that. Sure. In the wild, not captive, the largest population of tigers are found in India. Oh. And according to the All India Tiger Estimation Report of 2018, which was insanely comprehensive, and I'll talk about it, the India has the biggest and safest habitats for tigers in the world. It's the largest tiger range country in the world it has more than 70 percent of the tiger population globally mm. yeah i will say that india i feel like takes care of animals really well they do because well, they, they respect them i think the hindu religion maybe the religion yeah yeah because yeah. even you know you hear about like street dogs like people really trying to take care of them and, yeah and they you know if they get hurt or something. seriously i can't wait to go to india honestly we, gotta, we need to make a plan. Do they want a podcast show there? <laughs> we'll do our first live show in India. Just there's like nobody. Nobody shows up. I'm going to, you know what? We're going to have to figure out what dialect we're going to learn. Know, like right? what? It, oh, my God. The language is Jen. So many. So many. So the tiger population in the country went from 1,411. It's very specific. In mm. 2006 to 2,967 in 2019, according to that report. So the increase... It played a big role in like kind of global numbers, obviously. Mm. The wild tiger globally, the number of wild tigers globally rose from 3,159 in 2010 to 3,890 in 2016, according to the World Wildlife Fund and Global Tiger Forum. Cool. I love that. I love just Global Tiger Forum. I don't know. It just sounds GTF. super cool. 
like, oh, I'm going to be going to the Global Tiger Forum <laughs> next weekend. So It just makes me think of like a car, right? Like GTA. Yeah. GTA. I don't know. I just think of, I just picture oh, yeah. a lot of people in like tiger prints. <laughs> but you know, GTA is Grand Theft Auto. Oh, <laughs> no, never mind. Wrong, wrong. Continue. Okay. So in India alone, there are 53 tiger reserves. Oh. 53. That's a lot. It's a lot. Totals over 12 million acres. Good job. There's a map. Gonna, we'll, we'll have it. We'll be putting it on the Yeah, okay. there's a map where you can, and you can go online and check it out too. So these exist, these tiger reserves represent about one third of India's high density forest areas. So there's, there's more forest. Mm. But I, I think what they did was in the 70s, they got together and they're like, we need to set, make a commitment to how much land we're going to give for tigers because right. we have like a bazillions of people here. Right. Right. So actually, the Guinness World Record was awarded to the National Tiger Conservation Authority and Wildlife Institute of India because it has the largest camera trap based wild animal monitoring exercise in the world. Wow. That's Isn't cool. That cool. So camera traps were deployed at 26,838 locations. Jeez. And it resulted in almost 35 million photographs of wildlife, of which 76,000 were of tigers and 51,000 were of leopards. That's super cool. Isn't that cool? I don't know. I Can you like, watch them live online or no? I don't, I don't. That would be amazing. I didn't check, but you should check. Yeah. So this is good news for tigers, but there is this little problem with tigers killing and eating people. Eating man-eater. She's a man-eater. <laughs> <laughs> so the most comprehensive study of deaths due to tiger attacks estimates that at least 373,000 people died Due to tiger attacks between 1800 and 2009. What? That's averaging 1800 kills per year. No, no. And the majority of these attacks occurred in India, Nepal, and Southeast Asia. Oh my God. That's a lot of people. It's almost a half million people. <laughs> and those are the ones that are just documented. I just want to just mention something real quick <laughs> that. In the episode about Savo Lions, uh -huh. which we released recently to like everybody. Yeah, it was, it was a, a yeah. originally it was a patron. So only. this is going to be very similar. I'm just saying that a lot of the workers from on that railroad were from India, right? Uh-huh. They, they just like, can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah. I feel really <laughs> bad for them now. Because originally I was thinking like, oh, they just they're sleeping outside, their defenses are down. I yeah. feel like that episode is wrong now. That absolutely not. They were just like, whatever. I, These are the dice we've rolled. Yes. Yeah. Is that there's just gonna be it's a either predator. me or the tiger. It's gonna happen. It's yeah. like tigers, lions, whatever. It's like, am I gonna die of a heart attack? Or maybe I'll get in a car accident. Or maybe I'll just get eaten by a tiger. It's just up there. It's up there. With a very common possible back yeah. then. Yeah. I mean it's well, and I'll talk about it. It's still happening today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Here's the thing that they say. Yeah. So if a human comes too close and surprises a sleeping tiger, a feeding tiger or a tiger, a tigress with mm -hmm. her cubs, they're going to attack yeah. and possibly kill a human. That is very normal. Totally. But they can also attack humans in the case of mistaken identity. Like if a human is crouching, like getting food or collecting firewood, cutting grass, they might think that it's a prey you know, animal. Mm -hmm. They also say that if you're going to ride your bike, you know, or you run in the area where they live, then that can provoke them to chase you. Like a little trigger. I got it's a cats. Trigger. Yeah. Yeah. We all know. We know. If you have a cat, you know. You know. And if you know anything about cats, if you're a human, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Most tigers will only attack a human to eat if they can't physically satisfy their needs otherwise. 
basically, it's the same situation, I think, we talked about with the Savo lions. lions. Yeah. Typically, they're very wary of humans, and they don't like human meat. Like, it's not their preference. Like, we're gross. Right. right. I mean, we're probably just, like, there's not enough on us. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. I mean, who well, knows? Well, not a lot of muscle. Not a lot of muscle. Right. Right. We're, like, very So, they gotta, that's why you got to eat more. More humans. <laughs> you got to eat more humans to get... Body count. Yeah. So, but we're very easy prey. <laughs> so, so it's not like a desired food source, but when these tigers and even in that situation, lions, you know, when they get old or they have some sort of problem, maybe missing teeth or mm-hmm. they will choose human victims because they're easier than the regular prey. We're like the top ramen of prey items. <laughs> Like you'll eat it, but you probably need to eat a couple of them to get fully satisfied. You know what? It's just like we're like junk food. Yeah, really. We're bags of potato chips. We're just a bag. We're a bag of Cheetos. (laughs) That's all we are. I originally was going to say we're like the Taco Bell of, but that I love Taco Bell, so I don't know. I like. I kind of like Taco Bell, but it always gives me like stomach problems. Right. I always regret it. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, why? Mm -hmm. Anyway. But this is the problem in India is that they call these tigers man-eaters. Right. And they've been a recurrent problem in India, especially. There was a July 2022 Atlas Obscura article. And I pulled a lot of stuff from that because it was just really good. It's uh, what should be done with India's man-eating tigers. As deadly encounters increase, farmers, urbanites, and authorities disagree on how to handle big cats gone bad. Oh. oh, cats gone wild. <laughs> cats gone wild. On August of 2019, mm-hmm. this is just like an example story. Yeah. There was a farmer. He was walking with his cattle near the Bandapur National Park. Of course, a lot of these national parks are tiger reserves. Absolutely. There's roughly 330 square miles of forest. It's like a forested reserve. And it's in the foothills of Western Ghats, G-H-A-T-S. I'm not sure where that is. In India's southwest state of Karnataka. It's in the southwest, Jen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for those who know India, right, right, there's yeah. your details. Cool. So anyway, that night, the farmer didn't come home. Oh, no. So people went out to look for him. They found a torn up slipper. Oh, no. Yep. And then his son was also helping to look. They walked about a half mile from where they thought he might be, and they found his half-eaten body lying under a large banyan tree. Oh, no. So the tiger had initially aimed for the cows, but then ended up going after him, unfortunately. This tiger had, they said, taken to roaming outside of the forest to avoid competing with other tigers for Mm. food. Okay. That's a problem with this habitat getting so small is that you have tigers, you know, the tiger population is growing, but they're competing for food, and this is one of the problems. Yeah. They said... It started getting close to human habitats. It preyed upon cattle. After attacking the farmer, the big cat went on to kill another local resident. So it killed that guy and then went after another one. That guy's son is now, he was hired as a forest watcher in the reserve. So they gave him a job as like a compensation for what happened to his dad. Well, like watching the forest reserve where possibly the tiger that killed his dad is living. Yeah. I feel like that's not compensation. Well, they gave him a job. I don't know. But I guess they're trying to turn kind of like a negative into a positive. Okay. Because, you know, possibly turning them into a conservationist and a protector. And maybe that he would be helping prevent it from happening again, possibly. Sure, sure, sure. 
obviously these two deaths really bothered people and they were saying you know this tiger needs to get out of here and the forest authorities ended up tranquilizing that tiger and relocating it to a zoo oh well uh, okay so that's not so bad is this like a situation where once they get the taste for it so kind of there it's like gonna happen like how bears are with trash are we are we the trash for tigers But you know what I'm talking about? How, like, if bears find, like, a trash can and it's, like, easily accessible, they're going to probably come back to it. Well... And then know that they can go to those places. And kind go. of. It might be. But I, I don't know if that's always the case or if it's just that it kind of happened upon right. these people. And it was like, well, the cows ran away, but you're still here. You're like a small, helpless cow. Yeah, basically. And since they're, you know, most of the tigers are there... And it's considered the country's national animal. Mm-hmm. It's actually placed, uh, tigers are under Schedule 1 of the Wildlife Protection Act, which is the highest degree of protection, meaning like you can't kill tigers. Oh, that's good. They also hold a significant place in their Hindu mythology, which we talked about earlier. So there's like, they're like symbols of valor and, oh. you know, magnificent beings. And you'll see like shrines to them and stuff. So it's a very like, I'm sure they're very, it's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it's a com- like on Facebook when you used to be able to say it's complicated. Your relationship, you- India, is yeah. like it's complicated. You guys, it's complicated. So, but tiger conservation hasn't always been their thing. There used to be widespread hunting and habitat destruction. I mean, as is the way yeah. a long time ago. So there used to be they thought around forty thousand in the nineteen fifties, and then by the nineteen seventies, there was like less than two thousand. They say one thousand eight hundred twenty-seven. Jeez, that's crazy. That's a that's like that's how America decline. does it. Yeah. Uh, but also they were colonized by oh, the British during that time. This is the time. truth. This is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. Yep. <laughs> so although they've rebounded and reclaimed some of the historic range, the humans have pursued development not far from the tiger habitat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of people. So from 2010 to 2019. Because the numbers I gave you before was up to 2009. Remember that right, crazy, right. like, almost 400,000. So 2010 to 2019, tigers killed 383 humans and also a lot of livestock, which that's not fun. And people are starting to lose their tolerance. This is where it gets complicated. And I'll give you some numbers. So from in 2016, there was 122 deaths, 2017, 115. And 2018, there was 101. In 2019, it went down to 96. Oh. <laughs> I know it's like, oh, well, that's, I mean, you know, 96 people. I, and then 2020 was 106, and then 2021 was 127. Yikes. That's still a lot. There was an article from today. What? Today. I was like, what? It was like seven hours ago. This is October 10th. This is October 10th, by yes. the way. In the BBC News that a tiger who killed nine people, was shot dead. Nine people. Yeah. This is the Valmiki Tiger Reserve's director said that the final hunt to find, and this is what they called the tiger, T-104. I know you love that. That's That just makes me think of Terminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> I think it's tiger, but, right, you know, right. but Terminator is good. Yeah. T-104, so they started looking for him Saturday. This is Monday. So I'm not sure about the time thing on this, but basically earlier this weekend. Yeah. And they say that this started after news had emerged that a mother and her child had been killed. No. By the tiger. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
So this male tiger had been terrorizing communities around this reserve. And they said, the village said, it was a sleepless night for the whole village. And that while some of us kept banging stones against each other, others kept beating tin containers just to try to keep the tiger away. Like they were just super scared. Wow. They tried to tranquilize the tiger, but it was like totally complete lack of fear by the tiger. Wow. They had two teams on two elephants. <laughs> the elephants were like, let's do this. <laughs> they we're not scared. Although tigers can kill elephants. Yeah. Um, so they went into the forest and one third was on standby where they thought the tiger might run out. Mm-hmm. Um, that they ended up shooting it. The chief wildlife warden of the region told the Times of India that the tiger had been identified as dangerous to human lives. Obviously. Yeah. That one was not tranquilized and moved. It was just shot dead. They were like, all right. And then they did, did they do nine like a, people. Did they do a necropsy to see? Uh, it didn't go into it. Uh, probably because they probably haven't done it yet because it like just. Right, right. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. So they're probably going <laughs> to like, do it. Do they have the results? I need the results. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we can write to Times of India. Uh, Hello. That's that's frightening. It's very frightening. Of all these national parks, the oldest one is called the Jim Corbett National Park. This is located in northern India in the Nainital district. Good job. Thank you. And that's in, uh, oh, sorry, Nainital district of Uttarakhand. You're doing great. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> it was originally called the Haley National Park after William Malcolm Haley, who was the governor of the United Provinces. Hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, that's where it was located. And in 1957... That's when they gave it, renamed it the the Corbett National Park. Cool. That was like a decade or so after India's independence from Britain. British. Yes. So the park is about 200 square miles and it has hills, ravines, marshy areas, grasslands, and a large lake. The elevation ranges from 1,300 to 4,000 feet, which is, you know, gets a little, gets a little hilly. And this is also part of the Corbett Tiger Reserve. And that's uh, an area of 1,200 square kilometers, which I know I'm getting back and forth between miles and kilometers, but it's fine. You guys figure it out. It's big. It's big. So this park, along with another neighboring Sananandi wildlife sanctuary, (laughs) make this critical tiger habitat. So there's like, and that's the Corbett Tiger Reserve. So it's like a considered a critical habitat for these. Not how we describe critical habitat in the U.S., which is a different kind of legal legal designation. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. So the forest covers 73% of the park and 10% is grasslands. There's 110 tree species, 50 mammal species, 580 Mm -hmm. birds, and bird species. Yeah. Not 580 birds. Only 580 birds. That's it. 25 reptile species. And notably, there are approximately 230 Bengal tigers in the park, which is either the most or the second most, depending on the source for the reserves. Yeah, because one was like, this one has the most, and then another one. Anyway. Just roaming around. Yep. There's also leopards, small cats, like a jungle cat, fishing cat, and leopard cat. Oh, I know about fishing cats. So cute. Yeah. There's barking deer, hog deer, there's sloths, there's uh, Himalayan black bears, Indian gray mongoose, and otters, Megan. Otters. We just talked about otters. Deviants. They are. There's pangolins, the Uh-oh. Indian pangolins. 
So there's a lot of stuff in here. A little diversity. There's some rhesus macaques. Um, mm-hmm. In the summer, there's Indian elephants, like herds that mm-hmm. can be seen. Like I've seen a few hundred of those. There's the Indian python. Don't want to run into one of those. That sounds awful. They're really yeah. scary. There's some crocodiles and gharials. Do you know what those are? Oh, those are kind of like, yeah, they're like a smaller crocodile. Yeah, fish-eating thing. crocodiles. Yes. I actually had to look it up. I was like, what's that? Yeah. Because I avoid those kind of things. Well, don't worry. There's otters there, Jen. They'll take care of you. That's true. The otters probably, I don't know how they're working this out because they say that those crocodiles and the little gharials, am I yeah, saying it right? I think that's right. Yeah, they had to be saved from extinction from a captive breeding program. And so then they released them back into this river. Probably an otter gang. An otter, yeah. Well, I mean, and the otters are like, so you're coming back from extinction, huh? Mm. Mm. Want to take a roll? <laughs> what do they do? Like they a like, roll in the water? A roll in the water? Uh, yeah, they just hold on. Uh, yeah, they just choke them out. Crazy. So who was this guy, Jim Corbett, you ask? I'm interested to find out. Well, Megan, let me tell you. He was the hunter from Jumanji. Oh. No, I'm just, I'm lying. No. Why are you doing that to me? But he looks exactly like him. <laughs> I was like, like, he's like your basic, typical looking hunter yes. from every movie with or like, every book. With like a safari hat that's safari like pinned, hat. pinned yes. up on one side. He's that guy. How about I believed you 100% right now? <laughs> because I'm like, I know that name, right? Uh, she's like, did we talk about this? I'm like, no. We I'm haven't. Like, I swear I know that. But he name. looks just like the guy from, from Jumanji. I'm like, Jumanji's based on a true story. That's I it. know that was so It's great. a true story. That I love so it. Good. I hope I you guys enjoyed that. Really full. <laughs> Megan's been up since like three in the morning. So listen, you guys. She, just bear with her. But anyway, no, he's like, if you look at all the pictures, I think because it's like early 1900s, mm-hmm. he is that hunter. He has like that sunburned, possibly alcoholic nose. A little bit. Like weathered face. Weathered face. Mm-hmm. And he is, I don't know, I have this book. With, from my kids it's like little bee little bee little bee why do you flee and it's like because there's a something following and anyway me, right. and at the end it's like big hunter big you know anyway there's a hunter and it's this guy <laughs> so edward james jim corbett was a hunter tracker and author he was born july 25th 1875 of english ancestry although he grew up in india in that area in that Utara, <laughs> Utara Kent. So he grew up spending much of his childhood outside in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He, I guess, lived close to the jungle and he really loved it. Like he was kind of like at one with the jungle. Most of his life he spent at Gurney House, which I don't know, but if you're, people will know, um, located in that Nainatal area where he grew That's up. Great. I just, so he had a very wonderful. big family, mm-hmm. like there was like 12 siblings or uh, 12 of them, including oh, wow. him. Yeah. His dad was an Irish postmaster. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Uh, but he died when he was four. Oh, I know. Oh, so he was a younger one in his family. And so his mom had to raise and educate all of them on her own. And I know. I only have the one. Can you imagine? And I, it would just Can be... you imagine? <laughs> what I'm going to say. It would just be like, take care of your your siblings. I'd mm-hmm. be, I'd like designate some people. There'd be a lot of delegating. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so much delegation. But I'm sure, well, if he was four, when his dad died, there couldn't be too many after him. Right. I mean, maybe like one after him at the most. She could be pregnant. Wow. Unless she got remarried or something. She got remarried? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it just says that when he was still pretty young, he had to start working for the railways to help support When his he was family. five? 
<laughs> was, well, I mean, it was the 1800s. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Yeah. So sure. even when he was still young, he became known as a really good hunter. Mm. It doesn't really go into how he became well known as a hunter. I think he just spent a lot of time outside and he grew up there. So people just knew him. Because of that, there were several occasions where he was requested by the government to help hunt these man eaters. Mm -hmm. that had basically eaten like thousands of people. After he did help with these hunts, he actually completely stopped hunting and became a pretty well-known conservationist. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. He always had an appreciation for wildlife Mm -hmm. and being outside and the culture and everything. It's also hard because he grew up there and these are his friends and family. And he's from India and he was seeing people get killed. Yeah, I w- I shouldn't be surprised that oh, yeah. a hunter would be into conservation. A lot of hunters Most are hunters, into conservation, exactly, because that's how they get to keep hunting. Yes, yeah. But in this case, I think he... it was a matter of like family and friends and danger to people. Yeah, and also growing up, you know, like getting mm-hmm. older and realizing, hey, wait, you know, this is actually there's a big problem here with right. the population, and you know, seeing the numbers dwindle. Right, right. right. So in addition to becoming an author later, he also became a photographer. He wrote a couple of books about his hunting expeditions, and they're pretty famous. I actually want to read them now. Man Eaters of Kumeon (laughs) and the Man Eating Leopard of Rudra Prayag. That was great. Gosh. Anyway, (laughs) just look it up. Look up his name and you'll find him. And please, please, I'm doing my best. But here's the most famous story. Okay. The most famous story is of the legendary Champawat tigress, otherwise known as the man-eater of Champawat. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) This is considered the deadliest animal in history. What? And actually, this tigress holds the Guinness World Book of Records for the most fatalities from a tiger attack. This is 436 humans. From 1902 to 1907. Um, Megan, I see you're raising your hand. Do you have a question? Yes, I have a question. Even more than Gustav. I'm pretty sure Gustav has like a higher body count. Actually, hers is higher on the list. Yeah. That's true. She's the number one. Gustav was actually number two. Was he? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not. It's awful that they're killing people. But also, I think a lot of Gustav's was like, they couldn't really say for sure. Folklore? For a little bit folklore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Continue. Okay. They say that operating with almost supernatural efficacy, the tiger was the most prolific serial killer of human life the world has ever seen. And this is from this author named Dane Hucklebridge. And he wrote a book called No Beast So Fierce, The Terrifying True Story of the Champawat Tiger, the Deadliest Animal in History. It was published in 2019. We got wow. a, it got really good reviews. Oh, yeah? Yeah, check this out. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have time to read it. I'm sorry. Anyway, they say researchers are unsure when the tiger's killing spree began, but they're pretty sure she started killing people in Nepal in the late 1890s. And she quickly was, you know, everybody was like, what the heck? It was like she was proved to be a prolific man-eater by 1903. And at that point, she had killed about 200 people. Jeez. Her primary victims were the people from Tharu. It's an area in the foothills of the Himalayan mountains. Mm. But there were people trying to go out and find this tiger and stop it. Of course, everybody's like scared. Yeah. Right. So then they called in the Nepalese army 
They're like, listen, you guys got to do something. You know it's bad when the army gets called in. It's like the emus. Yeah. But then there was a lot of emus. This is like one tiger. Right. So the Nepalese army launched this massive operation to try and catch and kill this tiger. And there were like tons of soldiers that went out on this organized hunt and they could not find her. That's crazy. Yeah. So they had this massive, they call it a beating line, which I guess is just like when everybody lines up and tries to like force out, Mm -hmm. you know, the... Maybe they have sticks or hitting grasses or something along the way. I don't know why they call it a beating line, but I mean, maybe... Yeah. They're trying to make a lot of noise and like, sorry, the animals are making a lot of noise right now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of <making> noise. <laughs> they feel like they successfully drove her out. But what they did was they drove her over the border into India. Oh, no. So they just shifted the issue to another area. They were like out of sight, out of mind. They're it's like, done. Done deal. We're good. All right, guys. good to go. So as soon as she got to India, she's like, hmm, there's more, a lot more people over here. So let's, let's do this. So she immediately started got hungry and started killing people again. And she killed another 234 recorded victims. The British government, because they're now in India, you know, they're like, hello, British government colonizers. What are we going to do about this? So they had professional hunters go out and they could not catch her. Eventually, they heard that there was this 25-year-old guy who was a very good hunter, Jim Corbett. And this was in 1907. They're like, hey... You need to come help us kill this tiger. She just, she's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. He or she. I don't know if they knew it was a female by then. So he was like, okay, I'll come help you, but I don't want money for it. Cause I guess there was a, a reward at the oh. time. He said, I don't want any money for it because he doesn't want to be known as killing for money. Oh. And he also said he didn't want any of the professional Indian big game hunters with him because that wasn't the kind of hunting he was into. Right. He's like, nope, nope, I don't want any of that. I respect that Mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. Apparently he took pride in his status as like a, they say sport hunter, but I don't think that's what they mean. He was more of a... Like subsistence Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Subsistence. And they said he did. He grew up really poor. They had to put food, you know... Yeah. on the table for a lot of kids and family. So I think that's how he became such a good hunter. Uh, maybe the distinction between sport hunting and trophy hunting <clears throat> is that sport hunting is done like where you actually will eat. maybe eat the animal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And trophy hunting is more about the trophy. Yes. I mean, probably people who do trophy hunting do eat the meat mm-hmm. on some level, but it's more about the trophy. Right. And less about the actual hunting. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Subsistence. Yeah. Versus just showing off. He also didn't want people around because they might mess up his, what do you, you know, his plan mm-hmm. or his hunt or accidentally shoot him. <laughs> like he was smart. He's like, you guys. He's like, listen. No they didn't dick, have no, reflective vests back then. No Dick Cheney on this one. <laughs> In case allowed. anybody's forgotten. Dick that Cheney happened. Just shooting people. That happened. In the woods. They were like, cool, cool. Whatever it is, just get the tiger. So it had most recently struck near the village of Champawat. And so he went there first Mm -hmm. and he found out that the residents living there had spent the last five days just completely scared out of their minds. Like they Mm -hmm. literally boarded themselves inside their huts. Jeez. Not long after he got there, there had been a teenage girl that was killed. The tiger had dragged this poor girl off into the jungle. And so there was a track, obviously. You could see where the drag marks and also like pulls of blood. No. And so he followed the trail, 
but he actually at that point couldn't find the tiger or tigress they Mm. say so he went back and he talked to all the villagers he's like i'm gonna need everybody we're gonna try and like force this tiger out so do another beating line right so he got 300 villagers they all lined up i guess beating line because yeah they make a lot of noise scream shouted fired guns in the air, all those things just to try to push the tiger out. Mm -hmm. And he said once the tiger broke cover, I guess, came out in an open area, Corbett was able to shoot her. And he shot her twice with a hunting rifle and she was dead. He got her pretty quickly, actually. They should have sent that guy to Savo. I know, right? (laughs) Seriously. Honestly, I'm trying to think of what year, what year, maybe he was too young. This was 1907. What year was the Savo? I do not remember. Yeah. You can look it up while whilst yeah. I talk. Um, so the one thing that he found was that she had broken teeth. They think that at a point she was shot and she had a broken canine on the top and the bottom. Right. That was kind of the situation with the Savo lines is that they didn't mm-hmm. have the right... Didn't want to have like a tooth it infection was, or yeah, something? Yeah, it was like they were worn down. Yeah. And tooth was missing or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he was actually, after that, he was asked to assist with other man-eaters in the area. So there was one that was, uh, they call it the Panar Leopard, that had killed 400 people. Jeez. Yeah. It's like this tigress of Champawat and then Gustav. <laughs> he was the crocodile <laughs> Gustav. Eater, and then this leopard. This happened in the Panar region in India. I guess he heard about this man-eater when he was like still hunting the Champawat tiger. That was still was in 1907. So I don't know how long, but it must have gone on for a couple of years. Yeah. Because by 1910, he went over to help catch this leopard. Leopard. Wow. I know. I did find the Savo was, uh, those lines was, those were in 1898. Well, so, so he, he would have been, he would have been a teenager, right? Yeah. He was too young. I think they, yeah, no one would know. Yeah. But he was, yeah. Yeah. Because he, in 1907, he was 25. Right. So yeah, he would have been too young. Well, he could have done it, I bet. Maybe, Even, he, maybe he was inspired by that story. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway. So there was another one that he helped with, and this was a leopard again. So, yeah. So this was another leopard, and this is one he wrote a book about. So the leopard of Redra Prayang. Perfect. Thank you. Killed 100 more than, they think, 125 people. Mm-hmm. Even though this one didn't kill as many, they say it was more terrifying because Jeez. it was for eight years from 1918 to 1926. This leopard hunted humans in this district of India that I said wrong. Yeah. yeah. That place. That place. And they said, according to Wikipedia, it would break down doors, leap through windows, claw through the mud or thatch walls of huts and drag the occupants out of their houses and then eat them. Oh my gosh. I know. So, I mean, you can only imagine how scared people were. Yeah. I guess it took him 10 weeks to hunt this one down and kill it. So there was other ones. There's like the Tala Des Maneater, the Mohan Maneater. They're all these other man-eaters. Right. And he was helpful in catching them all for people. Dang. So he was he was real good. I wonder if he ever went to Hokkaido for some bear action. I know, right? See, he could have. What I don't. We have that to was look much up what, earlier. Yeah, way, or, that earlier. Was way earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was. It's like feudal Japan or something. I don't remember exactly. Well, we that. watched uh, the the trailer for that. I <laughs> yes. mean, it looked like they had mullets. I mean, it looked <laughs> and headbands. So it could have been that long. It was ago. fine. It was 1985. <laughs> <laughs> After all of these animals were killed, eventually all of these man eaters 
They did analysis of all the carcasses, skulls, and preserved remains Mm -hmm. of these man-eaters and found that all were suffering from disease or wounds. Some of them had porcupine quills embedded deep in their skin or gunshot wounds that had never healed. There was one that was skinned by Corbett and he found, like after he killed it. Yeah. And he found that there were, (laughs) that would be bad. There were two old gunshot wounds. So one was in the shoulder and it became septic. So Mm -hmm. that probably was the reason it turned to killing the easy Cheetos. Top ramen. (laughs) The top ramen of food. Cup noodle. Mm -hmm. There we go. And he actually, in one of his books, he wrote, the wound that has caused a particular tiger to take to man-eating might be the result of a carelessly fired shot and failure to follow up and recover the wounded animal or be the result of a tiger having lost his temper while killing a porcupine. Oh, wow. So Corbett, they said he preferred to hunt alone on foot when pursuing dangerous game. He often hunted with Robin. A small dog he wrote about in one of his books. Oh, that's cute. And there's a picture. It's uh, Well, it's a painting, actually, of him. And it looks like an Indian hunter as well, probably yeah. with him. And then there's a little dog in the picture. What kind of dog is it, Jen? It looks to me like a Jack Russell. Oh, cute. Yeah. I was thinking like a beagle or something. Yeah. like that No, it looks shorter. like, yeah, it looks like a Jack Russell to me. But you'll see it. It's in there. You can see it when you look at the photos. That's cool. In the decades after the Champawat tiger hunt, the number of tigers really started to plummet. So remember I said from like 1950, yeah, like it really got bad yeah, around yeah. that time. And he was known as the most famous hunter, but he also loved the wildlife in India. And he was really upset about the decline of tigers. And this is when he became, he shifted to being a conservationist oh, okay. and trying to get people to take action. After 1947, he and his sister, one of his sisters, Maggie, retired and moved to Kenya. And I That's cool. think that might have been because of this shift in um, the British leaving India. I'm mm. not there, you know, was all that happening. And yeah. I think that's when he left. But he continued to write about the declining numbers of wild cats and other wildlife. He was actually at the treetops, which is a hut built on the branches of giant ficus trees, as a bodyguard for Princess Elizabeth when she stayed there from uh, in February 1952. What? And if you've seen The Crown... I was going to say, is he in that episode? I, I don't know if he... But <sighs> I don't think that... I don't know if they really talk about it, but I did see that. Yeah, I saw that episode. I remember it. And you might remember that that she was there when her father died. Yes. And he... He was there, so he wrote in one of the hotel's visitors' register, For the first time in history of the world, a young girl climbed into a tree one day, a princess, and after having what she described as her most thrilling experience, she climbed down from the tree the next day, a queen. God bless her. Oh, that gave me some chills. I know, it's so sad. So he died of a heart attack a few days after he finished his sixth book, which was called Treetops, and he was buried at St. Peter's Anglican Church in kenya back to the man-eater problem today in india still a problem still a problem yeah the national tiger conservation authority prepared a new report which stated that problematic animals should be referred to as dangerous to human life and not man-eaters oh good oh that's great and the government followed suit and Mm -hmm. so they no longer use that man-eaters term in official documents Although I think it's still 
what Co- people colloquially say. Known yes, as man yes. Eaters. Yeah. They said that once a tiger has been determined to pose a threat to humans, it's important to promptly kill it so it doesn't take more human lives. And this is from Ulas Karanth. And he is a tiger expert and former director of the Center of Wildlife Studies in India. But he said it's very rare for this Mm. to occur. Unlike most activists and even some of his colleagues, they say shooting is generally the most effective solution because of the challenges of tranquilizing and relocating a wild tiger. Right. So they said to tranquilize a tiger, the animal needs to be within close range and away from thick vegetation. And because those attempts are likely to fail... The tiger can continue to kill more people in the meantime. Even when big cats are captured and relocated to zoos, they often don't adapt well to captivity. Mm. They say because it's so rare for a tiger to go rogue like this and start eating people. Yeah. And most likely it's because of some sort of, you know, sickness or wounds or something Mm -hmm. that's probably better to just kill them. I mean, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Also, he is quoted as saying, once it gets to the stage of killing several human beings, the entire public turns hostile towards wildlife conservation. So for saving this one animal, you're putting the life of all tigers at risk in the region. He also notes that tigers breed quickly. So killing one human (laughs) eater does not threaten their overall population. Hmm. So there's some logic there. Sure. It's hard. It's sad. But there's some logic there. And also, I just put this in. Nearly 250 million people in India live in or near forests. Yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of wildlife human conflict mm-hmm. happening. Interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To ensure the long-term survival of big cats, it might be necessary to do more than simply classify and remove human eaters, says wildlife conservationist Latika Nath. In India today, hundreds of villages overlap with tiger habitat. Going forward, it may be necessary to create more spaces that are truly human-free. These dual-use spaces will continue to exist, though, and it's important for everyone to be on the same page when it comes to land management. Makes sense. So, yeah. Why do we need tigers? Why, Jen? Tell me why. We need them because... They play a key role in maintaining healthy ecosystems. Hmm. These ecosystems supply both nature and people with fresh water, food, and health. Mm -hmm. You can tell this is coming straight from WWF. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Securing tiger landscapes could help protect at least nine major watersheds, which regulate and provide fresh water for over 800 million people in Asia. Mm. So there. Also, they're freaking cool. (laughs) So just stop. Also, they're amazing. Um, also, tigers can directly help some of the world's poorest communities through tourism. And we talked a little bit Eco-tourism. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So tiger conservation projects help provide alternative livelihoods for rural communities. And they bring in income and provide employment opportunities. I think we talked. It's a lo- done correctly. Yes. And I think we talked a lot about that on a recent science news uh, for Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did. You did oh, like I forgot. That is yeah, a Patreon. Yeah, you did an yeah. update on the gorilla situation. Yes. And yes. that was what they were doing mm-hmm. is like really increasing the ecotourism. And if you go to that Corbett National Park, mm-hmm. you can stay. There's lodges. You can go oh. to their website and book your trip there. Do you get a safari hat that you can clip on one side? Hell yeah. I hope so. If you can bring your own full outfit. That would be amazing. (laughs) Um, So the threats, I've gone through most of them, you know, habitat loss. So I don't think I said this yet, but they have lost, tigers have lost an estimated 95% 
95% of the historical range, you know, destroyed, degraded, fragmented human wildlife conflict. I don't think I need to say anymore. <laughs> I think I've said all there is. We've said it a lot. Poaching and illegal wildlife trade. It's the most immediate threat to tigers because people out there are weird and they want every single piece. They want a whisker. They want a butthole. They want a toe. They want the claw. Everything. They want it all. Mm. And it's just weird. And they need to stop. Stop it. Stop it. Um, also, this was interesting. I'm going to read this real quick. It's uh, also effects of climate change. So it said one of the world's largest and most uniquely adapted tiger populations are found in the Sundarbans, which is a large mangrove forest area that's shared by India and Bangladesh on the coast of the Indian Ocean. Oh, It's also the only coastal mangrove tiger habitat in the world. The mangrove forests also have uh, are home to a lot of species, a mm -hmm. lot other, including tigers, and protect coastal regions from storm surges and wind damage because mangroves. Because mangroves. Yeah. They're, they're the nurseries of the ocean. Yeah. But because of rising sea level caused mm. by climate change, these forests could be wiped out as soon as 2070. So come on. <laughs> Get it together. Also, tiger farms and captive tigers. We talked about that in yes. the last episode. Just one thing I probably didn't say is that the current estimates indicate that there are more than 8,000 tigers being held in more than 200 centers in East and Southeast Asia, with Jeez. roughly three quarters of these tigers located in China. And while U.S. doesn't have tiger farms, mm. there is an estimated 5,000 captive tigers in America. Get it together. Primarily in Florida and Texas <laughs> and Oklahoma. <laughs> but yeah, Jeez. Come on, you guys. Come on. To save tigers in the wild, we need mm. to secure forests and grassland habitats across Asia where they live. And by protecting large, biologically diverse landscapes, this will allow tigers to roam and preserve the many other threatened species that live there. They said to protect just one tiger, we have to conserve an estimated 10,000 hectares of forest. Wow. One thing that I thought was cool is we missed it last year, but in February, at least last year, and it seems like in previous years, there's a cat, big cat month or, and also big cat week on Nat Geo. Oh, I do remember a big cat week. I so it's kind of like, like it's kind of like shark week, but right. so it's but in February. Big cats. Yeah. Land sharks. I mean, I call my cats here in the house sometimes land sharks because they get real frenzied when it's feeding time, you know? <laughs> it is. I've I've witnessed it. You've you've seen it. You've heard it on the phone. Yes. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, also, July 29th. On July 29th, 2010, all 13 tiger range countries, so all the countries that have tigers, tigers. in the world, adopted the Declaration to Ensure Sustainable Tiger Population and double within 12 years. So since then, that has been marked as Global Tiger Day. That's cool. Isn't that like a day after Corbett's birthday? Yeah, he was uh, 25th. 25th, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Did I mention that it was in 1957? That's when they changed the name of the park. I can't remember if I said that. I may have. So he died in 55. And then a couple of years later is when they renamed that park after, after him. him. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So organization to support. Let's hear it. I know this is kind of, you know, we've said... World Wildlife Fund a lot, but this is the one specifically for India. Oh. So WWF India. There we go. Dot org. Go there. WWF India has been working towards tiger conservation for 50 years. 
That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. They aim to maintain and restore tiger habitats and critical corridors while conserving the tiger and its prey, eventually increasing and stabilizing tiger populations. Their work also involves the camera trapping exercises and line transects monitoring. So they were, um, they played a big part in that big, huge monitoring effort and putting all the cameras and stuff. Yeah. So, and they also work closely with the local communities around tiger habitats and try to help with those issues. That's cool. I'm using air quotes. Issues. Issues. So that's it, Megan. I really enjoyed that. I hope that you learned a lot about tigers today. I did. And did we ever, I don't think we did talk about Jim Corbett. I don't think we ever have. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that time we talked about Jumanji. Apparently he's <laughs> in Jumanji. Totally fine. Uh, sorry I did that to you, but that was, that was, that was I'm super funny. gullible. It's okay. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, just that whole image of the hunter from like yeah. the late 1800s. Yeah. Is... So good. So here, these are the kind of like in order of how many victims. So it was the Champawat tiger. I pulled up the website. Uh-huh. Was 436 victims. Oh, sorry. The the Panar leopard was 400. And then Gustav was 300. Oh, right. A little over 300. Right. Yeah. So they but, were the top three, though. Yeah. Those Gustav. were like the big, those are the heavyweights right there. Gustav was right up there with the leopard and the tiger. Gustav is kind of amazing. Anyway. So, Megan. Yes, Jen. What would you like to put in our emergency preparedness kit you know, to keep yourself from getting man-eaten? Mm-hmm. Human, by, human eaten, being, being, uh, being in ramen. the line of danger. Being a tiger ramen. <laughs> tiger ramen. <laughs> uh, so, listen, I was, I was thinking about this a lot, really. And it's about the kinds of tigers who are going after people. Uh-huh. Are, they just aren't up to par. They're yeah. not a hundred percent. They're either older, older tigers, mm-hmm. or they're injured, right? So I tooth think, issues. Yeah, I think there should be some kind of like senior tiger center slash, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like dental facility slash <laughs> retirement home. A retirement home for tigers. Yes, I mean that is what there's like be. golf carts. Yes, and golf like carts. they can wear. Like they have tennis. They can play golf. They can for sure. pickleball. A hundred percent. They yes. can wear high, like high socks, knee high socks, or like with half half calf socks with sandals. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. A, a tiger, I love it. a nice tiger retirement home. They have like Friday night movie night. Yeah, and and or someone, like a bridge, a bridge club, <laughs> bridge club. It, someone will prepare prepare like surf and turf for them whenever they want. That way, you know, people aren't getting eaten. The tigers are happy. This They're is going to be like a new reserve. Yeah. It's like a retirement community. Retirement community for tigers. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like free health care. Free health care. Everybody's in bed by like seven Guaranteed. at the latest. Guaranteed. For sure. There's probably a lot of STDs though, you know, because <laughs> retirement community. A little chlamydia. <laughs> it's fine. But it's also like the food is also served. It's soft. It's soft. You got some jello puddings. Hey, listen. Right? Some meat pudding. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, I mean, gelatin used to be made out of horse hoof material. You there know what you I go. mean? There's plenty of things. I like that, where this is going. Yeah. I think it's it's very considerate. I want to provide thoughtful. them with something so, you know, they can go on living their lives. We, we don't to have back. to kill them. Yeah. But then, you know, we're also safe mm-hmm. because I think, yeah, we are like a jello snack pack. We're the top ramen to them. Just so easy. When you're tired of cooking or work, you know. Like, just make a top ramen. Well, I love that. But also, on like kind of a serious note. Yeah. In the U.S., remember we talked about the Wild Animal Sanctuary in Colorado? Yes. 
And they have all these tiger sanctuaries or the big cat rescue. Oh, yeah. You know, all these. So they don't have anything like that in In India? India? I mean, you were saying that there's the sanctuaries, but but it's not like a rescue area. No, they're reserves. So maybe that, I mean, because to me, that almost is what that is. It's just a retirement for 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 big cats. Big cats. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what they need. Because I didn't see anything like that because they said they would go to zoos. Right. So maybe in actuality. They, they, they actually really need. actually do need that. <laughs> like an enclosed sanctuary where food is provided for But I like animals. your idea better. Yeah. yeah. A retirement community for uh-huh. tigers. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. With a really good dental plan. Just everybody gets dentures as soon as they move in. Any old wounds? <laughs> like it cleaned up? It's like a veteran center. Yeah. For I'll sure. take care of you. For sure. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you so much for your story. That was great. I hope you enjoyed it. After this, you'll be hearing some spooky stuff. Yeah, because Halloween. It's coming. Megan's having her annual Halloween party. I am. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. I have my costume. It has arrived in the mail. Um, my son, I keep asking him, what do you want to be for Halloween? He's given me many different ideas. Uh, so I'm probably he's going to be a skeleton because <laughs> I don't know. Kramer from Seinfeld. A hundred percent. Done. It's done. Done yes. and done. Yeah. I sort of have my costume. I still really want him to be... Um, from IT crowd, Moss. Oh God! Just because his hair, but he won't do it. Per- but he won't and he would do be it. perfect for he it. He would be so the glasses. He looks just like Moss. Yes, he does. He hundred percent. Yeah, he just needs the glasses. <sighs> a little bow. He has a bow tie, Jen. Oh, it would be so good. So this easy. Kid. This kid. I know. Anyway, what are yeah. your costume is coming or in the mail? I'm just like piecing it together. It's going to be weird, mm. and I'm not really going to know what's happening, but it's fine. I'm excited. Yeah, I never plan well for Halloween. And I love Halloween. You did a great job last year. Well, yeah, I had the the raccoon. That was great. (laughs) Raccoon onesie. (laughs) That was perfect. And I'm not even going to lie. I did look at onesies this year like, should I just get a onesie? I love that idea. Yeah. But then it was too good. Uh, My daughter's going to be Stitch. And she, we got her a onesie, yeah. a stitch onesie. And then my littler daughter <laughs> is going to be Lilo. Which is going to be adorable. It's so cute. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Thanks. Yay. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by Jonathan Pillsbury. We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star iTunes review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us by following us on Instagram or Twitter listening and subscribing wherever you get podcasts or becoming a patron. Check out more on our website at you're going to die out there.com where you can see our awesome eco-friendly sponsors and nature nerd artisans page. If you'd like to send us your own stories or episode ideas, you can submit them through our contact form on our website or to our email. You're going to die out there at gmail.com. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye. It's huge. It's huge. I, I just have to tell you that I'm keep thinking about. Did you ever see the Red Dragon? It's like a part of the Hannibal movies. Oh, but it's like uh, that one. There's like a different serial killer that I guess he's like helping to find, or I mean, another Hannibal movie. Uh, he has like a giant tattoo on his back. I feel like I saw it a long time ago, and I wasn't a big fan of the Hannibal movies. Other, I mean, right. just the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silence of the Lambs, and then after that, I was like, eh. You're like over it. Yeah. The so the Red Dragon. I kind of like that movie. I like that actor. And then also he's in this like BBC 
miniseries that's called North and South that I love. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, he's like in it, he falls in love with this woman who's blind. Oh. And he takes her to pet a tiger. And the tiger was like put under anesthetic. Like he knew somebody at the zoo or something like that. Or they were like rescuing some tiger. I don't even know how he got her there. And there's this scene that's like a little bit sexual. <laughs> with a tiger? Where she's like petting the tiger. I don't know. And he's petting the tiger. They're petting the tiger together. And I was like, wow, that's intense. And the tiger's like, can you guys just get off me? The tiger's fully knocked out so but also i think that's a little bit creepy too that is super creepy yeah anyway we're talking about these tigers and i'm like oh yeah that's right they're really huge because i saw that one movie where there's a giant tiger yes they're giant 